0: welcome back chelsea fans to the latest episode of the blues on parade podcast where all we do is talk chelsea and talk shit about everyone else And boys, I think I could speak for all of us when I say we needed to decompress after that World Cup final. Just kind of collect our thoughts, collect our emotions. Obviously, um, it was an amazing tournament. Um, But it does have, you know, some negative undertones, of course, which I don't think we're going to dive too deep into today. But instead, it's a bit different of an episode. We're going to be talking about the World Cup and uh, just kind of going through our favorite moments, favorite players, things like that. Uh, before diving into some Chelsea news, uh, because there are updates regarding uh, regarding the club, positive updates. But, anyways, um, I'll
1: start off by introducing Sam first. So, Sam, how you doing, man? Oh, fun! I thought you'd never introduce me, Zach. Thanks. <laughs> that tangent you went on the beginning—I I know it's been a while since we've recorded, Zach—and you've just like missed going on tangents so much. So, the first opportunity you got, you took it. I'm I'm happy. Does for that you count me. as a tangent? It was more like a in depth intro for
0: our lovely viewers. I mean, maybe a world run on <laughs> sentence. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. yeah. I'm just not. Like six run sentence. Hey, we're, hey in we're,
1: we're, we're getting back into the swing of things. It's been a while since we recorded, it's been a while since we've been forced to go through and experience Chelsea football. I'm honestly dreading the return. It's been so nice watching the World Cup with, like, minimal actual, like, ties to, like, any team. Like, just rooting for a good World Cup. It was so nice not having to, like, have a team that's struggling and has so much drama and all this. Everything that this Chelsea team this season, like, represents. I'm just happy, like... And I'm not looking forward to it to start again, but Andreas, um how are you doing?
2: Man, I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't have like a team connection, but goodness, any messy thing this tournament, I was sweating as much as, as if I was Argentinian. Like I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a Germany fan and now being a citizen, I'm a US fan, but like I'm a big messy fan and this tournament had a lot going for him, obviously. So every match, losing to Saudi Arabia, I was like, fuck. And then the Poland game was kind of a bit, got a little sweaty at one point. So every Argentina match for me felt like I was watching a Chelsea match. So I'm in prime, you know, dangerous, blood pressure, mid-season Chelsea form. So I'm I'm, I'm ready to go. My heart's been in top form.
1: And before we get into it, I just wanted to, like, just mention like I did have a connection to a team obviously like I was rooting for Iran that was just this was that was a very difficult like task to do honestly it was a, like the weirdest experience I've had being a fan of a team but um, yeah they obviously didn't perform as well as uh, I wanted them to but hey uh, US did watch. okay
0: nonetheless they're fun to watch and I think that's like, as a, speaking as a, a neutral in that respect, I mean, I'm a U.S fan, obviously, but you know I kind of knew that we weren't going to go all the way with Burhalter. There was just no chance at all. Right. But speaking from a neutral point, um, where I didn't really care who won from there, it was a really fun World Cup. And I think Iran could kind of get bunched into that equation in terms of being one of the fun teams, especially when all the socio-political stuff going on over there. The balls on the players to speak out on the issues that need to be, you know, shed the light. It was, uh, I, I, I would include them on that list of fun teams for sure. I don't think, I don't think they had a bad tournament by any stretch. I think they got stuck in a really difficult group.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, the England match was obviously like demoralizing, but other than that, we beat Wales. That match against USA was amazing. But yeah, exactly. The same thing as you. I didn't expect them to go far, like, you know, but hey, let's get into it. Uh, You want to
0: start off? Yeah. Yeah. So um, since we're on the team or on the theme of talking just about teams as a whole, let's kind of just, who was the best team for you guys? Um, Now, this doesn't mean the answer is Argentina because they obviously won the tournament, but In terms of the team that you thought played the best football, was the funnest to watch, uh, who do you think was the best? I'll start with you, Andres.
2: Well, mine is Argentina, but the reason (laughs) for it wasn't like a soccer itself. It was more like every player on this team was on a mission and it it wasn't about them. It was about their God, their savior, Messi. Like these dudes weren't wearing Argentina colors. They were wearing like messy colors, dude. Like I like the difference between Argentina and Portugal. Portugal full of egos. Bruno has his own agenda. Leal can't even run for anybody else. Then you got Argentina and you have someone like Rodrigo de Paul who is literally doing all of Messi's defensive work so that Messi can have those moments of magic. You have Julian Alvarez who's like running endlessly, even if the ball doesn't get to him. So that he can create something like, I mean, Martinez, you have Otamendi who's on awful, like center back playing out of his fucking <laughs> mind. So it was just one of those things where like the moment was bigger than like, I don't know. It was just, everybody knew what the, everybody understood the assignment sort of thing. And don't, and don't forget to mention McAllister too. Oh, McAllister was a fucking phenom too. And, and yeah. it's just like, one of those things where like Lautaro Martinez, awful. But then when, when all of the weight of the country was there, he came through. Like little things like that add up. And and it I was just him, like man. watching oh. them every 90, every time the 90th or the 120th minute or whatever was blowing. These guys are chanting as if they're fans with the fans. Like all of that for me was just perfect. And it's just like, ah, uh, what a way to... Give Messi his send off and yeah, that's <laughs> dude, why they were my favorite team. What a it was World just Cup. so much fun, dude. These guys were oh, fans, and then they got to play with their favorite player of all time, and then they were able to help him get his freaking World Cup trophy. It was just awesome. I loved every second of like the Argentina atmosphere, more so than what they, they were just playing, because it was just you know, get your hands dirty, football for most of the tournament. It wasn't beautiful um throughout Tom. what about you
1: um for me i think this is no question brazil was the best team um we really missed out i mean the world the final was amazing but we needed brazil argentina that would have been the world cup final for the ages uh This, that team was so goddamn talented. They were so good. They looked amazing. That, that loss to Croatia, it still pisses me off to this day. Like, I'm, I, I typically don't root for Brazil as a Germany fan, also. Like, you know, like it, it's just like they don't really like us. So, (laughs) you know, um, so, but this year, this team was, so exciting. It was so good. It was so deep. Like, at every position, starting and on the bench, just like full of studs. And yeah, that Neymar goal to take the lead, like that should have been also one of the moments of the World Cup. And it ended up not being because Croatia scored right after. Um, but... Damn that this Brazil, That was like probably one of the, I think that's one of the biggest like upsets I can remember in World Cup history as far as like a team that should have won that didn't.
0: Yeah, because Croatia was basically all midfield. That's it. They just had the best midfield in the tournament, and then just yeah a bunch of Europa League ballers around them. <laughs> no, disrespect no disrespect yeah. to
1: Croatia. No disrespect to Croatia. I say yeah. that Brazil was just that good.
0: Yeah. And to be fair, our Mateo Kovačić was really good against Brazil too. So I just have to shout that out. It's a Chelsea pod. Andres, I'm kind of like you in terms of uh, picking a team with team spirit and you know fighting for a cause that was bigger than theirs. I'm gonna go with Morocco, the surprise team of the tournament. Now Now they're the, I think they're what they're the first African team to make the semis. Yep. And then they're also first Arab speaking nation too, which is fucking awesome. Um, Wow. But they were they were unbelievable to watch in this tournament. And I think out of all the teams in the tournament as a whole, I think you could safely say alongside Croatia, because they know who they are tactically, I think Morocco definitely knew who they were better than anybody else going 100%. into this. Tournament. They yeah. they knew that the whole entire time they were gonna suffer for the ninety minutes. They were gonna sit in deep blocks, hit teams on the counter, their decisive forward passing. Um, set-piece deliveries. They were going to use their size to their advantage, which they did. And, um, you know, they were just fucking unbelievable to watch. And the thing that irked me a bit as a Chelsea fan watching Morocco is seeing how that midfield operated and then saying, man, if only we had one of these guys. <laughs> that being between, like, Amrabat and, and, and Unahi, that kid, who I think he's, like, 22 or 23. They were fucking unbelievable. Across the whole tournament,
2: um, so they had mid- only mid- given uh, up. They had only given up one goal going into the semifinal, and it was an own yeah. goal. Exactly. Fucking insane!
1: Yeah, talk they about were, the defense, the midfield, the defense was unbelievable. Defense was
2: unbelievable. El Yamik and uh, fucking what's his name Mazzarawi, who like hasn't been good for Bayern playing at left back, was fucking phenomenal. And then yeah, yeah I mean, it was just. And it wasn't like just sitting in a deep block because they were, any anytime that they won the ball, they were all bombing forward too. Like mm-hmm. Hakimi was overlapping midfielders. Like it was just like these guys have been on a treadmill nonstop their whole life or something. It was unbelievable. The Amrabat run to catch up to Mbappe and slide tackle him like in the semis. It's just like, it's everything you need to know about this team, man. It was, they were for sure like, defense wins championships or whatever is like their mentality and and the story with it all the their manager I think this is his first managing job if I'm not mistaken and the dude like did a bunch of classes like Arteta does like classes for like people trying to get their licenses usually and this dude is on that zoom call like trying to learn from like the Premier League guys and it came out also that he was like a teammate of Girouds for like a day because he got cut from whatever team that was. Like it's just such a fun Cinderella and underdog story. They they were hey, a lot of fun.
1: Bunu you know, too. I mean, he, he had the like what he had like two or three combined clean Yeah,
2: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And the they, penalty shootout. Up, I mean, I think they were fun to watch because they played like a Premier League team, balls to the wall. You know, big yeah. brutes at the back, hard tackling, always winning the midfield battle, first to the second ball. I mean, it was that's the mo for succeeding in the Premier League. So it's not a surprise that their coach, you know, kind of, you know, took inspiration from the Premier League model or those Premier League managers because definitely showed on the pitch. But I do want to move on now that we kind of talked about the teams. I want to get into who our favorite players to watch were. So, um, Sam, I'll start with you on this one. How cost the whole Mm -hmm. tournament, who was your favorite player to
1: watch? You know, I think when the knockout stages began, um, the team that I kind of like decided, all right, I'm going to start rooting for was England, Um, surprisingly. And I think the main reason why was because I fell in love with Jude Bellingham. I I I I thought he was by far England's best player he at a certain point was like playing like in the the group stages he was playing like the best player in the whole tournament i think for a little bit yeah um and it it makes me so sad knowing that he's gonna sign somewhere else like we have no chance at him he's gonna (laughs) either sign for liverpool madrid yeah, I don't know. He's two. not sign. He's not signing for Chelsea. And when that day ha- when that day happens, it'll break my heart because I love this guy. I think he's he's definitely the the real deal, hundred percent.
0: Honestly, he should just go straight to Madrid and cut the bullshit. I mean, he's going to wind up there anyways.
1: I mean, they got Choumany and Kamavinga in the last two years.
0: Valverde, Valverde,
1: Valverde. I mean, it's like. I don't know necessarily if he starts immediately. I mean, he will, but I don't know. Yeah. You look at this team like City and they have, you know, they're just like, I'll I'll, I'll be pissed. I'll be so
0: pissed if he goes to City or Liverpool for that matter. Like, I'm in the same boat as you, where it's one of those players that you know it's very, it's not very often where you can bank that a 19 year old is going to be one of the best players in the world if he isn't already. And knowing just like you that he's most likely not gonna sign for us just fucking sucks. Because I do have a feeling he's gonna wind up in England before he goes anywhere else. And if he goes anywhere but Chelsea, it's 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 gonna suck playing against him.
2: Yep. He's coming to England. What about you? you? My favorite player was Tyler Adams. I thought mm-hmm. the guy was just When he got the the captain's armband, I was like, huh, interesting choice. You know, he's a soft—he's usually the quiet guy and stuff like that. But then the guy was like Conte reborn for the USA. I felt he was absolutely everywhere when it came to recovering the ball, his physicality, just the way he led the team on and off the pitch as well. I, I just thought he was fantastic. He's been doing really well for Leeds. It's kind of going under the radar, but then for him to do it in the biggest stage and as well, I just thought that he was phenomenal. I'm a big sucker for defensive performances, obviously because I played DM and center back. So watching guys just completely thrive and, and to the point where they're shining, I just thought he was a baller.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think two things about Tyler Adams. One he definitely gained a lot of respect from the world watching that match. I mean, and I'm going to say also English players. I mean, English people, they for sure watching the match gained a lot of respect for him. Maybe for US as a whole. I don't know. Uh, that's up for debate. But number two, what you said about him being shy and reserved, I thought it was a crazy decision to pick him as captain for that exact reason. And he, I think he he played that role pretty well like he he didn't he wasn't reserved and you know he i don't know but i i i was i was surprised i think he did well zach i think the conte comparison is is spot
0: on and that's what i was saying while i was watching pretty much every u.s game honestly um but but his ability to read the game and his aggression when he goes into tackles he never when he goes in for a tackle he's winning the ball he doesn't just dive in um you know and He's not clumsy with his positioning or his tackling either, which I think is something that you would usually associate with the U.S. DM in recent World Cups. But yeah, I, to be honest with you guys, he's going to get a move. He has to. There's no way he's going to stay at Leeds that much longer. I think the big clubs are starting to to really recognize like what Sam said. Um, but I'm going to kind of stick to the theme of midfielders and I know an honorable mention is, can definitely be Luka Modric because he was just magic the entire World Cup. But I'm going to allude back to that Morocco midfield. For me, it's it's a tie between Amrabat and Unahi. I think both of them were just exceptional to watch. Their commitment, um, the tackle discipline, specifically Amrabat, his strength, when he goes in for a tackle, he goes through the ball and the defender, which I fucking love. Um, and like I said, I think I think that's the kind of profile that, Chelsea's missing so maybe that's why I kind of had a soft spot for DMs in this tournament to be honest but um yeah overall I think across all their matches they were the two standout players for Morocco um you know just in terms of what they're able to do on the pitch their ability to play the full 90 minutes and lead the team and also be pretty tidy in possession that's something that definitely goes um you know unnoticed with a lot of these players is you know, on one hand they can they can win the ball back and tackle and whatnot, and that's great, but what do you do after that? What do you do with the ball after that? And I think they were really good at recycling possession and just kind of keeping the ball moving, not really getting static in midfield, because neither of them you would associate as being like creative players. They're definitely more DMs and box to box. Um so yeah, huge, huge shout out to them. I thought they were fucking awesome across the tournament. Um so let's move on. I I think we should start talking about our favorite match to watch. Um, now, listen, we can all agree that that World Cup final was arguably the greatest game of football that we have seen yeah, in our ever. lifetime.
1: It's off the table for this question. Yeah. yeah. yeah so <laughs> Obvious answer.
0: That was, that was the answer for all three of us. So we went with other games, just honorable mentions. And there were tons to choose from. So, Sam, I'll start with you. Um, what was your
1: favorite game outside of the final to, uh, to watch? Um other than Iran versus Wales um for personal reasons I think that one of the most entertaining and one of my favorite matches to watch was Argentina Holland um obviously the insane back and forth and scoring the fact that it went in the penalties it was crazy Weghorst, his goals especially the the free kick goal that was so that sick. The set piece was
0: yeah perfect dude
1: I I I watched that. I had a haircut during that match. And I was watching it in the barber's chair. On my phone. And my barber didn't really care about it. And I'm just sitting there. And I'm like saying, holy shit. Holy shit. Holy shit. Like, while I'm getting my haircut. And he's like, what are you... It, it, was, it was unbelievable. And on top of all that. The intensity. Like, the fighting back and forth. Between these two thi- two, two teams. I think there was like... Eight or nine yellow, yellow cards. cards. 17? Seventeen. Oh my 17. god! Yeah, I'm 17. way off. Seventeen yellow cards. That was, I think, the most entertaining match of the whole World Cup.
0: Paredes's shit housing was fucking hilarious when he just drilled the ball at the at the Netherlands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and
2: then when he wasn't I even
1: playing. He wasn't active. even playing, right?
2: No, oh, he was. He had just come on. Like he oh, yeah, wasn't. Yeah. He hadn't been part of like all the shit. Like he had just come on, but. No, yeah. you, you talked about the yellow cards. There's a guy that did a parlay of what players got yellows. And legitimately, the only players who didn't get yellows are the three players he picked. 17 yellow cards were handed oh. in on the pitch. Well, sounds like me gambling. There's, there's 22 players on the pitch. You take off the two keepers. He legitimately picked the three field players who didn't get yellows. I feel so bad that's, for that guy. That's
1: literally me every time I gamble. Every time I pick something, the opposite happens. So That's why I I'm don't gamble, I honestly. Exactly. I've lost way too much money <laughs> too. being a me cocky too. asshole. <laughs> um, it's, not even, it's not even being about cocky. It's just being the unluckiest better of all time for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. I, I'm, I'm going to stick to the Argentina theme. I'm, I'm going to go with Argentina versus Saudi. I think this match kind of encapsulated exactly why the World Cup is special. It doesn't necessarily mean that the best team is going to win every single match. And the alarm bells were sounding off after this game. The where is messy memes. Um, you know, the, <laughs> the clips of the Saudi fans celebrating after were fucking crazy. Argentina
1: was cooked.
0: They were cooked.
2: Oh, they were shit in their pants. And,
0: and, and, yeah, one of the goals being an absolute worldly, which we'll get to a little bit later. But, yeah, for me, that, that kind of encapsulated why the World Cup is special and why even if, you, even if you're a supporter of a team that's not supposed to go far, like Saudi. It still gives you a reason to watch it still gives you that hope that maybe you can have that one moment every four years where you can just you know not only have bragging rights but celebrate as a country over like a monumental victory so props to saudi they didn't have a very good rest of the tournament but they showed up against argentina and it, it made for a fucking incredible game because you know i i turned the match on and i was kind of like half into it, to be honest, going into the match, because it's Argentina versus Saudi. It doesn't sound that great. I'm really just going to watch so Messi can score, and then I'll be out. And, I mean, they made it so, so exciting. So uh, props Wild to them. Game. Andres,
2: what about you? I was going to say the Brazil-Croatia game. I know Sam's not a fan of I this it. one. Ugh. I like, hate that game. I hate that I game. thought I thought, like, watching that game was like an... It was like an immovable object versus an unstoppable force sort of thing. Where Brazil, like Sam said, on paper best team, they had been destroying everyone, and Croatia came out and decided, like, we're gonna make sure we stop what Brazil is good at. Just that's gonna be our task. And and they didn't park the bus. Like it, it didn't feel that way. It was just. It got to the point where T.J. had to like completely replaces front 3 outside of Neymar. And and that to me was freaking just that sort of coaching and and deployment of tactics. I thought that was amazing. The Neymar moment I thought was really cool cuz for just a second you're like, "Damn, Neymar had his World Cup moment. That's so sick. He's going to get to play Messi in the semis." And then you like you said some you expect Brazil to adjust in Croatia obviously a more well-oiled machine at this, because now we realize that Brazil was just street balling. A catch Brazil with eight players behind the ball and draw a counter to perfection, send it into overtime and take care of business and the penalties. Like, as a coach, I was just like, this is it. This is why you have to, like, play for the 90 minutes and understand, like, this is where, like, I think the Roy Keane stuff came up, like, I don't care. Like, I'm the first guy to tell my kids to celebrate. But I also tell my kids, like, after you score, it doesn't mean that now it's my turn to score. Like, that's what I felt happened after Neymar scored, that everybody else wanted theirs. And then Croatia got their one chance. So, like, again, coaching-wise and, and deployment of tactics-wise, I thought Croatia had a perfect game. And I just thought, like, you just can't walk in and think it's over.
1: Andreas, that... That was the worst answer of any like question you've ever answered on this show. Um, just to add on top of all that, like I hated this match so much. Me and me and Zach both lost over six hundred thousand FIFA coins because of that match. Over half a million yeah, FIFA coins because of we had Bruno Gomarès cards that were supposed to, that were supposed to be over a million coins and we blew it. We we both lost coins, so that. On top of all of that, this was the worst match of the tournament. It's the exact opposite of what you picked. <laughs> Favorite match of the tournament? This was the worst match of the tournament by far.
0: Yeah, I'm still fucking dumb. I'm so me. butthurt. I'm so yeah, butthurt. Me too. I'll never get over that. Um, <laughs>
2: I hate that, was me. that was me with dual screens watching Germany pull off what they needed to do and then literally a blade of grass. Kept Germany from moving on to the next round because the Japan guy was a fucking, yeah. What do you call it, like a effort monger and just had to reach for that fucking ball.
1: <laughs> effort yeah, monger.
2: But, I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else to call it. That whole Japan team was like, I don't. Dude, know, the ball man. was out
1: of bounds too. I think.
2: I felt. I thought so, but I guess it wasn't. So like,
1: the ball was out of bounds. I think that's very talk insensitive about of you,
0: uh, You didn't lose half a million FIFA coins. I'm so was. sorry. <laughs> I'm
2: so sorry.
1: Not even close, Andres. Come on. Yeah. You're
0: so, right. I mean, who was the worst team of the tournament? I mean, if we're talking about who like some of the best teams are in the best moments and best matches, who were who were the worst teams to watch, Andres? I mean,
2: I think there's a I think there's a clear favorite, but for me personally, <laughs> I'd Belgium. Yeah, Belgium. Belgium's an easy choice, but I had I had a personal like. Disappointment with the Uruguay team. Um, I just expected more out of that group. I'm a big, big Fede Valverde fan. And I thought this World Cup, like anybody has been blind to his performances this year. I thought this was going to be his moment. To go from like, man, this kid's good to like, no, this guy is it. Like I thought this was going to be his chance to, to make people forget that Uruguay has been led by Suarez and Cavani. But... I don't know, man. I just, I didn't see it. It's like Mbappe came out at the beginning of the tournament and talked about how like South American talent and and soccer is way below that of Europe. And I expected Uruguay to be like, I expect them to rise above that, but instead they literally did everything Mbappe was saying. And it just kind of sucked because again, you expect Uruguay to be, Dark horse in every world cup, but since 2010, this team that, like, on paper seems boring, but then they just everybody wakes up and understands the the moment and what they're there for. And and, you know, Suarez and Cavani being their last world cup, it's just kind of disappointing. I knew Darwin Nunez is a fraud, so that didn't surprise me. But you know, Betancourt playing well for Spurs, Valverde being arguably madrid's best player this season i just thought you know a little bit more would come out of out, out of this team
0: yeah they were kind of disappointing some
2: uruguay also lost me a lot of
1: fifa coins also in addition so <laughs> um andreas you you mentioned them earlier germany yeah they were the thing is I think they were one of the worst teams, but I won't say that they're one of the... I wouldn't say they were one of the most disappointing teams because they played exactly how I expected them to play. And I had very, very low standards for this team. They met my standards perfectly. (laughs) I mean, my expectations. That's the word I was thinking of. But, um, yeah, I mean, they were just bad i think and i think the second answer belgium i mean lukaku was probably the worst player of the tournament <laughs> zach
0: fucking dreadful his xg was enough to win that last game and he just missed like four sitters fucking loser um did you like <laughs>
1: that or did you hate that
0: like, i loved it that. i fucking loved it um I I, I, I went it, with Belgium. I, I can't look past them because this is a team that has no excuses. Now, like, I, I know it's the end of their golden generation. And, you know, you have Hazard, who's at the wrong side of 30 and injury problems. He's never he hasn't been in form in years, but you still have enough. You got De Bruyne, you got Trossard, you got Carrasco, you have a decent midfield, aging center backs, but... That doesn't mean shit in this World Cup if we've seen some of the performances from guys like Pepe and Thiago Silva. So age is just the number in this tournament. But they were so fucking disappointing. And and the thing that drove me up the wall with them is how Roberto Martinez has been constantly trying this fucking 3-4-3 hybrid tournament after tournament. And it's only disappointed. And for him to be naive enough to come into this tournament, play the exact same system, and expect a different result is... I mean, that's like the definition of insanity, right? How does a (laughs) sand go? Like, if you you keep doing the same thing all over again and keep failing, like, that's... it's fucking insane. So I guess they got what was coming to them in, 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 in some respect. But on the other hand, it would have been nice to see a player like De Bruyne make it to the knockout stages and have his World Cup moment even if they didn't go all the way and win it, it just would have been nice to see them, you know, at least be fucking competitive. They were god-awful. And the fact that the new um, FIFA rankings came out and Belgium's ahead of the U.S. is laughable because they were... They didn't even play, like, a top 25 team, in my opinion. They were absolutely dreadful. And like I said, you, you look at their bench, you look at the resources they have. I mean, even if they don't have Lukaku and Hazard on the pitch and banging and in form, they still have other guys who are, like... It just it didn't make sense to me. So I can't look past them. I'm, I, I still don't forgive them, especially because we didn't get to see those beautiful kits, you know, more than we did. We only saw them for three matches. Um, but yeah, fucking disappointment, honestly.
1: Zach, um, I, it's so funny how you said that you can't believe that FIFA ranked Belgium above the United States. like, dude, like United States, they're the second, they're, they, they were ranked second. As the second best team in the world. Well, like, they're not. I mean, but, above but like, Argentina, the thing. they've above never been France.
0: second they've never been the second best team in the world. Even in their best tournaments with their full golden generation, fit and they banging, fourth, they still weren't the second third, best
2: team. Third place was the best they did. They got a third place in Russia. Last World Cup, yeah. But yeah. it's just Dude, Belgium crazy. is just like chance. it just feels it's bad management. They brought all these dinosaurs in. It was just Again, another team full of egos. Like, the fact that they had a civil war going on in that locker room <laughs> is just embarrassing. Yeah.
0: Who who gets in a fight with Hazard?
2: It wasn't even that. Like, Alderweireld, like, it goes beyond this. Like, we already knew KDB and Courtois had beef because they stole each other's girlfriends or something. Yep. Then you have KDB came in with, like, the worst attitude and threw his whole defense under the bus. But what's Alder not Alder Verald, um He comes out and is like, if we're old, what does that say about our attack? And it's like, well shit, like there's no fixing this. Like keeping yeah. it in the locker room does not exist for really. Like KDB is ready to go back to, to Holland after this tournament. Berhalter would be perfect for their dressing room, honestly. Since they love to
0: yeah. not keep
2: shit under cover
0: under wraps. Mm-hmm. Um all right. Let's let's just get right to it. Goal of the tournament. There were some bangers. I'm not gonna lie. There were there were plenty to choose from. Um you wanna go first, Zach? Yeah, I guess. No, this is the only time <coughs> I'm ever gonna mention a Spurs player on the podcast. But I really can't look past Richardlison's goal, the technique involved abilities. No, 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 Zach, Zach,
1: Zach. I won't accept that as an answer. You have to, to get think of a corner one. You have to think of a different answer. I'm not allowing this on this show.
0: <laughs> Honestly, fuck Richarlison, but it was a beautiful goal. I was but the nuts. thing is
1: about Richarlison is, like, you were a huge fan of his before he went to talk. He so I remember
0: when he, when he played against us when he was at Watford. I mean, he, he must have gotten fouled in that match, like, 11 or 12 times and one set pieces in their attacking third. Like, I mean, he was really good against us. I've always liked him. I'm not going to lie.
1: I- always liked him as an understatement like you he was probably one of your favorite non-chelsea yeah. players
0: he was he was yeah he was at i think i'm on record saying that too you are I, 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 know I, won't hide, I won't hide from that fact
1: but it obviously things changed and that's why i'm saying pick a different pick a different goal <sighs> andreas you have do you have one yeah i have two <laughs> we'll actually give, we'll give zach the time to think
2: the the enzo fernandez goal versus mexico was sick Like, him just bending it around Ochoa. Like, again, the moment and and getting Argentina back on track. And then there was, I I think it was in the, I'm blanking now. I think it was, again. it was in the final. The second Argentina goal I thought was fucking awesome. Beautiful. The counterattack was just, everything about it was like under perfection in my book, where Di Maria gets to tap it in at the end. Just the one touch passing to get from your own box all the way to the other was just McAllister's uh, heads up play to, to see that Di Maria was there. All of that to me was amazing. There's a lot and, of players that
0: fuck up that pass to Di Maria.
2: And There's I guess a lot like the my other goal is the one that didn't, favorite goal that is the other one that didn't go in. And it was Harry Kane's penalty miss. Loved that. <laughs> <I laughs> counted as a goal to me, it counted as a goal in my that. heart. I What's was gonna for, say it for France.
0: I think I, who was it? El Mic that hit the post against France on the with the bicycle kick when they were. On oh the my god! Down? Yes, that was if nice. that one yes, would have been the greatest just... World Cup goal of all time. Yeah, <laughs> that would have been crazy.
2: That was wild.
0: Tom, I think um, I have an answer for you. I'm going to go with the Netherlands goal. Uh, I think it was, what was it, the first one or the second one to set piece? The free
2: kick? The second yeah. one. The second one. It was literally one. the last second of the game, dude. It was but the first. But Vegors' first
1: goal was also A
2: header? Nasty. Yeah, yeah, it was a no, perfectly. He, it wasn't was a header, it? was it? I
1: thought it was a perfectly no, he placed header. he ripped it in. It was, or, did my, he scored three goals? No, he scored no, two. He,
2: it was two goals. I can't remember dude, the, his goal. His first goal then. was
1: not a header. It, he ripped. He ripped a shot
2: can't remember that one, but I, I do the know the that free kick was just like a dumb foul from Otamendi and mm-hmm. then it took the ref like eight minutes, it felt like, to get everybody settled down and lined up. And I remember watching it was Coop Miners go line up for it, and I was like, okay. And then I just thought, wow, that is the worst shank in the biggest moment of this dude's career. And then immediately turning around, I was like, wait. The balls in the goal. What the fuck? Right by design, baby. So nuts. It takes only Von Hal has the balls to try that. Like, you're you, just nuts, man. Some favorite goal of the
1: tournament. I'm looking it up and I don't remember. I don't know what I'm, re- I'm remembering the uh, Vegors, like him ripping a goal. Maybe it was like a dead ball. I thought or it was something. a header. Like, it was a header. You're right. Sorry. Yeah. Because yeah. they
2: brought in. They were literally playing long balls in for like 20 minutes. Yeah. I think, I think what was I'm lined up remembering
1: was like during a dead ball or something. But um, I think the Salam. Oh,
2: you're thinking uh, of the Berg, Berghaus miss. Or he ripped and almost scored. Like it was so. like hit the side netting maybe. But that anyway. was a
1: nice trial too though. Uh, Salam Aldasari. His goal against Argentina it was nasty dancing Perfect. in the Curler. box the lead up to it and the shot oh my goodness in the first in his in saudi arabia's first game against argentina like to that was to take the lead until was a winner right it was like, a winner yeah that was i that was like i don't usually root for saudi arabia but that was nice that was really nice uh um, yeah it
0: was fucking beautiful
1: I, I and then i think i mean I have to give 2 because this one was also one of the greatest goals in World Cup history. Mbappe's equalizer 2 minutes after bringing it in within one goal like in the 85th minute that the whole lead up to it uh Thuram's uh assist was amazing. That was everything about it the shot the moment was nasty It's just they didn't win so it won't matter as much perfect goal honestly i don't think he could have hit it any better and at first
0: no. i thought i thought oh, Emmy martinez is going to kick himself for that and then i saw the replay he was full stretch i mean mbappe literally stuck it through such a narrow window insane and so many too. and
1: like yeah like how many times have you seen a player in that exact position just completely shank the ball miss it mbappe doing it in that moment was unbelievable he could have missed it and we would have been like all right you know like that's a hard miss you know but the fact that he scored it in that moment he's special he really is gonna be something special
0: okay so, he so is. since we're already on mbappe just kind of kind of throw this out there it's not on the script but i, I had this debate with my brother. I think Mbappe needs to continue doing this into his thirties, and he also needs to show us that he could do it outside of France. In order for him to be officially in that category, where we talk about the likes of Messi, Ronaldo, you know, and so on and so forth, like that, it's
2: definitely too early. It's definitely too early. Way too early. That's my argument. He here's the thing: like Mbappe's in France. He hasn't left France at club level. Mbappe has nothing. That's it. Like he internationally broke into the scene in a very opportunistic time for France. And then he's been the best striker in two tournaments now, back to back. Hands down, he'll have that record. Yeah. But it takes a special player to win absolutely everything and then look at a record book for club and leagues and just add your name to every single offensive record. So. Yeah, it's gonna take a long time. I mean, Messi had nine, 100 goals one year, like literally calendar year. Messi scored a hundred goals. Good luck.
1: Yeah. yeah but he, here's the thing, though. Also, like a lot of players that you think that you say are like the best players of all time, and I'm thinking like specifically, um, Maradona and Pele. They are, I think they are remembered more for their performances for country than they have for mm-hmm. club. So what you're saying isn't necessarily going to rule him out as like an all-time player. If he but, if he continues to perform like this for France, like...
2: Yeah, I but, think, and, you know, and win trophies. I just think it's one of those things where like back then, it made more, it was a bigger deal to perform for your country than it is for your club. I think like in today's game, like... True, the Champions League it has changed. Is it you know like beating those guys when they are also surrounded by the world's best players, not by the hand God, the hand God dealt them where they were born? Like you know, it. it <laughs> I think that's kind of like the big argument now. Like, dude, yeah.
1: watching this World Cup, one of our friends mentioned like, dude, like honestly, international football sucks because like teams are not built to match you know like a style or something. It's right. like,
2: this it's is like a varsity team. The
1: players team. figure it out like that's what it, it is you it's, know like it's ex- you have like teams that are like have like like their best players are like their left back and like you know it's like that's not going to do much for you like you know like i'm thinking yeah. like canada and scotland or, England, or whatever like England Marker. having reese
2: james kyle walker and freaking trent all at right back like yeah yeah what are you gonna do it's it's literally why like at least for, and I think it's the same thing for basketball in the States, like AAU basketball versus high school basketball, you know, clubs, your select travel team versus your high school team. Like, yeah, if you live in a shitty part of town and your team hates your sport, you're going to have a shitty team, you know, mm-hmm. all the good so, coaches are paid to play coaching club. Nah, that's very true.
0: Yeah, it it is very much like here's your best 11. Now you got to find a formation that's going to put them in the best position to win games as opposed to I'm going to play 4-3-3 possession style every single match. I mean, you see what happens with Spain. You know, when when they try to stick to a system over, you know, selecting the best possible group of players, it winds up fucking them. I mean, you can you can even make a similar argument to Greg Berhalter in the U.S. i S I'm just going to take yes. any shot I can at him on this podcast. If you guys haven't noticed um, with the whole Gio Reyna situation, I mean, it's like you got to play your best players. I'm sorry. Like there, there's no if ands or buts about it. You have three matches that are guaranteed. You have to put out your best 11 as often as possible in this tournament in order to, in order to succeed. And then if you don't, people are going to look at you and ask what the hell were you doing? So um, but let's move on. I, we are going to get to the U.S., um, but we do have two more categories here. We've got our favorite moment coming up first. Um, so, I mean, I'll I'll kick this one off. I think Messi flexing on Van Gaal and Edgar Davids on the sideline after uh, after they beat the Netherlands was fucking awesome. He puts his hands up to his ears. Like, did you hear that? Did you hear that? Because, I mean, all the criticism about him going into this game and... Van Gaal taking a couple jabs, multiple Dutch legends taking jabs at him as well. It just it was full. It was so full circle to see Messi just, you know, beat them and then flex on them at the end. And I loved it because it's so out of character for Messi too. He's usually the humble guy that stays quiet. You know, he just gets his business done, collects his trophies, and he's out. But for him to be at the center of the shit housing. Was the reason what that's what made the moment special? Was you know he came out of his shell and and his true emotions were actually left out on the pitch. I fucking love that.
2: That's one thing that he's been criticized about. It's like Maradona had that in him, and like they're like Messi doesn't. Messi has never had those like Maradona moments, and I feel like this tournament, like especially the Netherlands game, like he's in his post match like. Everything's over. They won, and Veghorst was like walking down, and Aguero of all people tries to talk mad shit, and Messi mid interview stops the interview. He's like, "What are you looking at, stupid?" Like in <laughs> Spanish, it's like, "Bro, chill." Like it's done. I love that. I love this match of the easy.
1: tournament. I'm telling you, best match of the tournament. Oh, easily.
2: You you picked it. I just hey, that was my pick. It. I know you picked it. I just couldn't. I didn't want to say the same thing. I'm
1: good. Song. As long as we all agree, I was right. Since mm-hmm. we're on the theme of shit housing, why don't you give your favorite moment? Oh, uh, Emmy Martinez, his goal, his save and stoppage time of extra time. Uh, that was that. That will definitely go down as the greatest save, probably in a World Cup final. Um, yeah, one of the greatest good. moments. Like he saved them the match. Yep. That Kolomwani was. D- he had about right. to become
2: a legend about to become scored. a legend
1: yeah but really the best the best moment was when he accepted his golden glove award on stage and mm-hmm. held it up like a he used it
0: as a boner didn't he
1: it was <laughs> that was so perfectly emmy martinez like that is who he is and you know like a great story, too. Emmy Martinez, a guy that's been, you know, loaned around different teams. His only times. The only reason why he got his opportunity at Arsenal is because Ramsdale got hurt. Or no, it was Burton Leno. No, Leno. Leno. Yeah.
2: Leno, yeah. Leno
1: got hurt. And and I was so happy that he left because I liked him and I didn't want Arsenal to have him. And uh, he, he's a really good, like, story. His career yeah. is a really good story.
0: He was also holding a baby
2: with Mbappe's face on it. Okay, that one. Okay, so that <laughs> he was, one.
1: He's a savage. He scored, that one to on. me.
2: Yeah, I was about to see that one to me is like have some shame, dude. That dude legitimately made you his bitch in the final. You cannot be carrying he around a crying Mbappe. On him. <laughs> yeah, He just to three that? pens, and then he also had that volley on you, like dude. You can't do that. Like, is but, is Emmy Martinez the Patrick Beverly of soccer? Yeah, 100%. Dude, this guy. Except he's actually elite. Except he's actually elite. Yeah. But like, Emmy is not elite. He gave up eight goals this World Cup. Like, Emmy Martinez is not elite. The The thing is, is like, when the moment comes on, like, penalties are supposed to be a keeper's worst nightmare. And this dude legitimately has like the greatest penalty kick strategy of all time. Like, he fucking acts cool with the ref. Then he fucks with your head. Then he's like about to give you the ball and throws it outside the box. He's <laughs> dancing. He's cheering with the – like, dude, he 100% is the pat, Bev. Like, oh, my God. I love him uh, so unreal. much. That dude's unreal. What was your favorite
0: moment, Andres, if you had to pick one?
2: So after Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, the internet was flooded with Saudi coach – giving a halftime speech to the team and not just him, the translator mimicking the levels of energy. Yeah. And the speech was like out of a movie. It felt like it was rehearsed and it got me hyped as hell. Like t- telling them like, why are you here? Why do you come here? Like, are you going to just bend over and let them have their will? Or are you going to like go out and make a moment happen? And, and then you have this translator just, going at it too like he's not just translating he's giving in all like the emphasis and the energy it was just so sick and and for that speech to really come through and then beat argentina to me was just like damn that's that's dope like i i love a cinderella story like but to an extent like i was yeah. very very happy like okay you got your crazy upset yeah morocco made it to the semis then you still had the two juggernauts in the final, so moment wise, I think this one really stood out for me:
0: Yeah, I, if you haven't watched that um, that speech and uh, you you probably should, just Google it. It, it's it was also awesome. like
1: really funny. like it was just a hilarious moment. He
0: was talking shit to them. I mean, he was like straight up, like I, in essence, he didn't say this verbatim, but in essence, he said, "Stop playing like a bunch of bitches." And go out there and you know make your country proud. You're, you're no, embarrassing these guys, us right they now. They were
1: getting they were getting grilled in two different languages. Yeah, at That's unbelievable, so was crazy, unbelievable. so sick.
0: So the awards did come out after um, the World Cup, as we all know. Um, I'll go ahead and list them off really quick, and then we can just kind of go through them and 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 talk about you know who our preference was if we thought we got they got it spot on or not. The Golden Ball goes to Messi, obviously. Um, the FIFA Young Player Award uh, goes to Enzo. Um, <laughs> who wrote Enzo Ferrari here on the script? That's fucking hilarious. That was
1: me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but, yeah, I, I, I think he was phenomenal in the tournament. Golden Glove, Emmy Martinez, Golden Boot to Mbappe, and the Fair Play Trophy to England, of all teams. <laughs> what a random-ass trophy.
1: That, those are objective. trophies. Yeah. There's no... Yeah. I just thought it was funny... England winning the fair play award, like fair play is like such an English phrase, so it's like they should have won. Well, they only fair got it because there was
0: no alcohol. What? <laughs> I There's think nothing, what it has, they themselves.
1: Wait, it hasn't. Doesn't have to do with the fans, does well, it? No, yeah. it's, it's about yellow with, like cards. yellow card accumulation. Yeah, yeah. What it's, uh. yeah it's yeah, literally it's literally like, like it's which card accumulation through the group stages. Yeah, I just told me that.
2: I just tells me that England played like a bunch of bitches. Yeah,
1: pretty much. <laughs> I added that to the list as a joke. We're not going to debate on whether they should have won. That's an no. objective. Yeah, board. yeah, yeah. Same yeah, with, the, same with the Golden Boot. But Yeah, I think Golden the boot Boot's like... Obvious. You, you yeah, can't I mean, he scored the seat. most. Oh, yeah.
2: oh, Golden Ball, you mean? Yeah, I mean, is there anybody else that was going to win that, honestly? Yeah,
0: no. he won Man of the Match in every single
2: one of Argentina's matches, so... He was um, a goal shy from Mbappe, and he—I think he led the tournament in assists. Did he not? I'm pretty sure he did. I can pull that up while you guys talk about the other ones. So the young player award
0: is the one that I think is debatable. Obviously, I think I, to be fair to Enzo, a guy who is normally used to playing as like a creative midfielder, dropping deep and being like that hard tackling DM, just all over the place. He was phenomenal. I don't think that's a bad shout at all. But I'm gonna throw another name in here, and Sam, I know you're gonna throw another name in there too. But I'm gonna throw Gvardial's name in there. I mean, for a 20 year old center back to look as good as he did. I mean, going into this World Cup, all the transfer rumors around him. I talked shit about the 90 million price tag, but he looks still like, a
1: lot. That's he looks he's, a lot. It, well. He's not gonna go for 130.
0: It's a lot for anybody, but he is the businessman. He's the real deal. I don't think that it's as risky of a proposition to go after a guy for that kind of money um, after seeing the way he played in this World Cup. I mean, he, he looked like a, a 30, 32, 33-year-old veteran that's been playing for his national team for the last three World Cups. Right. He, 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 was, he was clearly Croatia's best defensive player, arguably... I mean, in my opinion, he he makes team of the tournament at one of the center back yeah. positions: Dude, He's fucking awesome. like I, I, I want him so much now. Like I, I really want to make a push for him now. I'm going to go back on my word, um, because I did talk a lot of shit, but no, So I know the you're- funny
1: thing is wait wait, sorry. The funny thing yeah. about that is like, you have been harping on Chelsea for not getting a CDM and not a getting a right back. Yeah, And now you're like, we need another center back. Let's go get Cavarty <laughs> no, no, no. no, man. That's we don't, number one. Then we can worry about CDM and we, right back later, okay?
0: We don't need a center back. And, and I still want to prioritize right back and CDM first. Don't get it twisted. Okay. I, okay. Those positions we need to fill. There's no don't worry, Zach. And we're not going to get him anymore. We're if
1: not we paying $100 him, million for him. If we go
0: after him and we get him, I, I will be... Over the fucking moon. I think he's the
2: real deal. We won't, cause he's going to Man City for one thirty. So, oh my god, Man City, bro. If they get Bellingham and Gavardio,
0: now Bellingham. I mean, like, I mean to... they'll have their spine right
1: there. Um, yeah, Be- 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 Bellingham. That's my answer, by the way. Um, yeah, I knew you were going to mention him. Her FIFA Young Player Award. I mean, this is such a kind of a weird award. I think, like overall, like giving the awards at the finals game, like is kind of weird because obviously you're going to give it to a player who was playing in that game because it's His not present. like, yeah, like who you gonna, you're going to be like, this award goes out to Jude Bellingham. I know you're not here, but we'll hold oh. on to the trophy for you. Like, no, they're going to hand it to him, make the spectacle.
2: But Orlon, Orlon in 2010 got best player, but I don't know if he attended the final.
1: I don't know. I, I I don't. I'm not even sure if they handed out the awards at the final. Like in that.
2: 2014, they did because um, it was Neuer won best keeper. Messi got best player of the tournament, even though it should have been James. But I can't remember who the young player of the tournament was that year. So that huh. one escapes me a little bit. But um, yeah. my young player, just to give him a shout, only played three games this World Cup, but I thought Musiala was. Fucking phenomenal. Like Germany was bad, but you put Musiala on any other team in this tournament, I feel like he would have been spoken about a lot more. The fact that he's what 19, 20, and he was so commanding that whole national team was insane. Like I just came out of the tournament thinking, you know, what happened to the Germany of old? And I think this new batch of players, just because the old school team won the World Cup, is just super entitled. And I think Musiala is the only guy that Gets it like he's like truly gets what he's supposed to be doing in this team and and his dribbling was just unbelievable. He was super unlucky to not score. I think it was against Spain. Yeah, what have uh, been the goal of the to tournament! That would have been a shout. My God, so that that's like my outside shout. Obviously, him playing only three games, you you don't take him seriously. But no. before you
1: move on, before you move on from Musiala, I just want to say real quickly. I'm actively rooting against him because he's another player that Chelsea let get away. And I don't want him to be added onto the list of players that we let get away who become world-class. It's a little late for that.
0: Yeah. He's been Bayern's best player this year too. or close to
1: it. He's still young. He has potential to fail. I think think with Musiala, it's one of those
0: situations where you... If you're Germany, the, he's the only positive from this tournament because now you can look forward to the next big tournament and say, "Okay, whatever team I put together, I'm building, a, I'm, I'm putting around Musiala. Like that's the
1: one guy that staked his claim for the Euros, the next World Cup, and so on." Right. But Kai Havertz was was a a boost for us. So he probably increased his transfer value by like. Five to ten million.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, all of our shit players in terms of form did fantastic this World Cup. It was God it was bless awesome. Akeem
1: Ziyech. Let's Listen, go. Listen,
2: proper Chels move from, from these guys. Pro- proper Chels Ziyech, making I mean, us bank off of him.
0: I'll, I'll read off some of the Chelsea players that had really good tournaments because there were some that are pretty forgettable. You know, the forgettable ones being wait, Mount, wait, outside before, of the – wait, wait,
1: yeah, yeah. Andre I, I kind of I cut off Andreas. He was gonna name a second player. Did you who who are you gonna name?
2: Weren't what you I'm Andreas?
1: Saying? You you said you, another young player, you said you're a, a shout to a second player. And I interrupted. Oh him. no, no, no.
2: No, I, I wasn't saying anyone else. Sorry, yeah. okay. I thought I okay. Go ahead, Zach. Sorry.
0: Well, going back to those Chelsea players that we mentioned earlier, um, I think it's safe to say that guy's like Mount outside of the penalty that he won for France. Sterling, Gallagher, Zakaria, arguably Mendy, Dave. I mean, they didn't really set the world alight in the tournament. But guys like Kai Havertz, obviously he had had two goals in the final group game versus Costa Rica. And again, not a great tournament as a whole for him, but he did what he needed to do in that game to get Germany, you know, at least put them in a position to where they could advance, give them a chance. Kovacic was one of the best midfielders in the entire tournament period full stop. He was no, absolutely unbelievable.
2: Before we keep going on the list, one thing that yeah. bugged me about Havertz was he scored the goals when it didn't matter anymore. Like yeah. He it, it, it was over for Germany. It was a pipe dream to get through and then he showed up. Like fuck I'm fucking pissed. I I'm so so disappointed with the guy like no connection to the player anymore. It's like, all right. I, to be honest,
0: I didn't even give a shit that he scored two goals. I'm not going to lie. I did. It, did, it, it didn't move any just, needle for me.
1: It boosted his value. Oh, well, it just shows $5 million to his transfer fee. If Bayern wants 10. him,
2: if Bayern wants him, he'll take do him. fine in the Bundesliga. Please like, take him. He's going to be one of those players that leaves Chelsea. He's going to do well, and people are going to be like, oh no, we let him go. But in reality, it's just one of those guys that just didn't work out here. It's yep. simply yeah. all it's going to be. He w- he probably
1: wouldn't work out on any Premier League team.
2: Exactly. That's fine. Yeah. He's, yeah, a, yeah. he's
1: Still a good player. Fully agree. Okay, let's uh, go back
2: to coaches because I man man balled out.
0: He was insane. I mean, it wasn't just the the it wasn't just the way he was playing in possession and, and you know creating chances and you know breaking the lines with his dribbling, but defensively he was. Unbelievable. Him and Brozovic together, really nice partnership. Um, In my honest opinion, guys, I think out of all the Chelsea players, he had the best tournament. Uh, We could shout out Tiago Silva. He was phenomenal as well, but I just kind of want to see what you guys think. Uh, Ziyech also. Pulisic had a good tournament. But Kovacic was the one that really stood out in every Croatia game. Obviously, the talk of the town was Modric, but shortly after that, Kovacic was being mentioned every single time for his performances. Andres, I know you're the leader of the Kova crew.
2: Yeah, I I mean I I thought my thought process was okay when we go see Kovacic in Croatia, he's going to be the sidekick, but he did everything we see him do for us in the same midfield as Modric. Like he would break through the lines. He would, you know, make the quick one-two passes to get his team out of a press. Like all that was still very much there. The the passes that go through, you know, the opponent's back lines and he sets up a, like, you know, that gets the hockey assist sort of thing. He was doing it all. And the thing that made me feel excited is the fact that he looked physically good and he was yeah. playing the 90s, the 120s. Like, we may be getting the Kovacic at one player of the year back into a very key point of the season for Chelsea, so that's the part that has me the most excited. He easily is the best out of the bunch. Got himself a third-place medal on top of it all. Yeah. But, yeah, you talk about Gavardio, I still think Kovacic was the best player in that team.
0: Sam, do you agree? Kovacic being think, the best Chelsea player?
1: Well, I, I just think that it was really cool that we had two players as, like, two of the feature players of the two uh teams in the third place match mm-hmm. have you know Kovacic and Ziyech that that was really cool um but i, I got to give it to Thiago Silva like what he does for Chelsea he did the exact same thing for Brazil and at his age it just like it's still every time i see him play it blows me away that he's still one of the best center backs in the world and i'm not over exaggerating when i say that Still no, at this age. And no, that's very fair. It's, it's unbelievable to see, but Kovacic did ball out too. I think I saw a stat about
0: Thiago Silva that said in World Cup or in international matches, he hasn't made a single error resulting to even a shot on goal. That's nice. <laughs> I mean, it's... It, he, has, he has for Chelsea. <laughs> he's... He, yeah, but, but my thing is, like, he's not just one of the best center backs now. I think he's probably the most underrated center back in this generation. Yeah. Full stop. I, think, I mean you got I guys think he's like, very underrated. You got guys like Sergio Ramos, you have your, you know, your your chiellini Benucci partnerships of the world, you know, you have all yeah, those other big names. Out. Exactly. But Thiago Silva's name just doesn't get mentioned enough and it's it makes me even more sad that we didn't get him when he was younger. Because he, in my opinion, he could have been better than JT if we had a fuller Premier League uh, selection, you know, to choose from. Um, but yeah, shout out to him, man. At his age, especially, I, I know his wife said after the tournament that he was hardly saying anything for like about two weeks after the loss.
1: Dude, I'm I'm telling you, PSG ruins people's legacies. Yeah, I mean, it really because does. because he he played for so long for PSG. I mean, he was amazing when he was at Milan and. Got transferred to uh or got bought by PSG like pretty early into his career and he played yeah. there like for like Through six, his six, seven years. Yeah. Yeah. So he was there for you know, while. him we talked about Mbappe already. Like, Neymar. Place let's talk about Neymar
2: going from like Ballon d'Or shouts to like, oh, he's fun. Are we gonna yeah. talk
1: about Messi too though? Same thing <laughs> no. with Messi though. No, no, in all he's in a
2: retirement house. Bro, Messi's retiring, like
1: yeah, just won Lynch. the World Cup too.
2: Yeah, he's playing. He's bawling out for PSG right now. For, he is. On top of that, like Messi going to PSG means nothing. He might like, win
1: Ballon d'Or this year. He's
2: a hundred percent winning Ballon d'Or this he year. I, like it'll take steep. it'll take like a sixty goal season from Holland in the Premier League to to beat Messi. But Messi won the World Cup. It's done. Every captain in the world is gonna huh. vote for Messi.
0: I think the other honorable mentions here, we can mention Koulibaly, who had a good World Cup. I know he scored for Senegal, too. Was it a knockout game that he got his goal in? I can't remember. Against
2: No, it was in the last group stage game, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: but he got his goal. He cap- obviously captain Senegal and had a really good tournament as a whole. Dave really only played in the 7-0 against Costa Rica, but we'd be really remissed if we didn't talk about Christian Pulisic in USA. I mean, he created nine chances. He had one goal and two assists. For those of you that don't know, the U.S. only scored three goals in a tournament and Pulisic had a hand in all of them.
2: He was um, also in like the top five of players who dribbled into the opponent's boxes, like in, in number of dribbles and the percentage of dribbles completed in the opponent's box. So he was just the a, percentage a danger of, man.
0: The percentage, the percentage of dribbles completed was even higher than Kovacic, if I understand correctly, too.
1: He's also the only player to sacrifice his dick for his country. So
0: <laughs> that's uh, another shout. Both balls, the left and the right, he sacrificed right. everything for us. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean let's just kind of talk about the USA's performance in in the tournament. Um obviously the 1-1 draw with Wales was kind of a little bit depressing. I don't think it was what we necessarily deserved, but again, the Poor lack management of a B from Greg Berhalter
2: Uh, just there was never a need to go so negative after going up one nil thank you
0: thank you thank you thank you that's exactly what I was gonna say Um, but but overall as a tournament the way I feel about this team is I think I have a connection with them that I haven't had with any other US team before just because we've been following these players since they were young Um, and we finally got to see a Good crop of the European guys actually get their chance and, and completely shine. I mean, we mentioned Tyler Adams. Um, uh, Eunice you know, Musa. Eunice Musa was absolutely phenomenal in the making a move to Arsenal. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, I even thought when Sargent played, he looked really good up top. Um, you know, Timmy Wea was probably the surprise for me. You know, I didn't expect him to have as good of a tournament as he had, but his pace was a problem for all three matches. Um, you know, Anthony Robinson, Serginio Dest, I mean, the list kind of goes on and on and on. I have a connection with this team now, and uh, you know, I've, I've always been a US fan, I've always been fully behind us, but it just seems like it hit another level for me. And I think, and you guys can bounce off of this point, I think we're one step away from becoming a serious tournament side and that one step is finding the right manager.
1: Yeah. I knew you're going to say that. Well, I knew it. I'm-
2: I mean it's true though. Like let's look at our like the US men's national team put it side by side to this Morocco team and mm-hmm. tell me we can't do what they did. O- on paper we're better. In let's Denver's be honest. Story, like, and didn't they, like, didn't they yeah. just
1: beat Morocco before the Yes,
2: World Cup? 3-0. So like it's Zach alluded to it earlier. It's like you need to know who you are. Like you don't come out and try to out Europe a European team. Like go play defense. Like if you just need the like this team is so easily built for a good counter-attacking. Yeah. Like you had Tim Ream and Walker Zimmerman as your center backs, and you don't want to play a low block and just wait for your chance. Like, I don't know, man. I, I think there's a lot of learning. I think a lot of these players now have the experience of playing under the big lights. They'll be home turf in four years. It's just Yeah, I'm hoping for god's sake like the Copa america that's being hosted potentially in the u.s in two years maybe the u.s gets embarrassed and greg berhalter has to like walk
0: away. what is it gonna take though to convince that's my thing
2: that it has to be the Copa, Copa america because CONCACAF, Conca is is a walk in the park and now it doesn't matter what you do in CONCACAF because they're hosting the world cup so it's yeah I'm yeah. hoping that this rumor that the US is hosting and will be are they're, they're already the guest. So, Co- Copa America
1: Con- is, in is, Con- is also in you in the United States,
2: the, yeah. including US, sure.
1: no, but it's no, no, going to no, no, be no. played in the United the Copa States, Copa America. Oh, Copa, America, Copa yeah. America, no, yeah, not yeah, yeah. Copa
2: America. No, no it, it is. So, Ecuador, Ecuador can't host not
1: the Gold Cup, Copa America. Oh, Copa hosted Ecuador, in America is yeah. being
2: Ecuador backed out, and the US is saying they can host the Copa America again. Because they hosted the the centenario special oh. one, they're the guest country. So yeah, I
1: I knew that, but I didn't know there were also
2: yeah yeah. Like, so I, I think like,
1: Qatar, right? Qatar and like Australia
2: always last play. time around. Yeah. So this time <laughs> around, like I'm hoping that that's what it's going to take. Like these, like Peru and Colombia coming in and fucking up the US. Like honestly, i get an embarrassing Copa America. If that's Wouldn't what it takes to, to get Greg out. I'm all for it because there has to be a new approach by 2026. It can't be open, fluid, 4-3-3 ball against the top teams in the world.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing that irks me with him is is he's so dead set on playing this fucking system. This is international football. Systems do not matter. He's like a goodwill Maurizio Sarri. all All you need to know... A dollar store, Maurizio Sarri. All you need to know is... These are my best 11 players, and you just need to be smart enough to put them in a formation and and, and employ a single tactic that's going to put them in a position to win. And with the U.S., granted, we did play fluid football, and at times it did look really good in possession, we were creating chances, but we left ourselves exposed so many times. And the thing is with him, it's like we go 1-0 up, and then he... he tucks his cock between his legs and throws <laughs> on a bunch of MLS defenders and MLS players oh, and goes, yeah. we're gonna sit on this lead and we're just gonna go we're gonna win one nil. It doesn't work like that. You have to go for the jugular. You only play three matches. Put the other team in the grave. Like don't there, there there's none of this like one nil bullshit. You're not Jose Mourinho. It's not gonna happen. You know? So on one hand, I feel like in order for the US to succeed. I think the best type of managerial signing would be a player that has a similar mindset to Mourinho. We're going to defend first. We're going to be incredibly hard to score against. And when we get our three, four or five chances a game, we're going to score one or two of them. And that's how we're going to win our, and that's how we're going to win games. But with Burhalter it was like, we're going to go with the four, three, three, we're going to go up one nil. And then after that, we'll see what happens. And like I said, He's completely incapable of thinking on the fly. He just pussies out in a way and, you know, goes for this defensive, just completely changed the playing style on the guys. It it doesn't work like that. Against Wales, we could have scored, who's to say we couldn't have scored two or three in the second half? We could have scored three in the first half alone. So it was like, that could have been a route easily. And, and, And the fact that it wasn't, was just it's so frustrating man I feel like this guy has, has has only bought himself time because we beat Mexico twice heading into the World Cup you know we, we beat them in the Gold Cup and then Pulisic's penalty prior to that Th- that's all fine and great but guess what Mexico sucks now they're not very good anymore so you have to take that into consideration when like looking at the next managerial signing it's not like oh, well, well, we we need to make sure that we stay above Mexico and stay above the rest. No, we're already ahead of them. Now it's taking the next step and saying, let's make ourselves a serious team that's going to make the quarters or the semis next time around. That should be... It's going to sound crazy, but that should be the expectation for the United States at this point in time, right? Going into the next World Cup, the expectation should be, if it's in the United States, we need to at least make the quarters for it to be
1: any sort of positive i want to give my perspective on the us as someone who's like never been I've, I've never been a big us men's national team's fan and i feel like our british listener are probably going to love what i'm saying right now but i i've i've always just like hated the culture of us men's national team like the fan base Very like most of the most of the people who Support the U.S. They watch soccer once every four years. They don't care about soccer. After they lose, it, it's just like, oh, who cares? Like, so it's anyways. just soccer. It's just, yeah. it's no, there's no. They say it's just soccer, and they disrespect the sport. Like, I don't like the fan base. I'm, 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 I'm talking shit to you guys about you guys. I know. I'm sorry. I don't. You know, like, I hate the MLS. I don't like. Like, I think it's so like corny to like support it. MLS team. Sorry, Zach, <laughs> but. I don't know. Yeah, it's just like kind of cringe. But I think that this team in the next World Cup has the potential to kind of turn the tides of how Americans think about soccer. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it really is all dependent on how this team performs. And then, and now that I know that Copa America is in America, both that and the World Cup. So, B- being in America, it has the potential to change the whole thing around. So, um, and, and we're gonna do that without playing our,
0: our greatest athlete. So, in other words, LeBron James and DK Metcalf will not be starting for the United States in the next World <laughs> Cup. I think, I think that that's another narrative, and I agree with you, Sam. I think that's what makes some American fans, some American fans, very, um, I'd, say
1: I'd say, a majority.
0: It's it, It's that argument of, oh, well, if we, if we, got all these basketball and football players and just put the tallest, fastest people who could jump and run the high or run the fastest and jump the highest will win every game. Bro, the two best players in the world cup were like five, seven Modric and Messi. Like <laughs> you really can't like make that argument, but yeah, I, I don't know, man for me. And, and this is, I'm going to open up a whole new can of worms here. The Gio Reyna situation drove me up the fucking wall. Now for those of you that don't know, um,
2: apparently there was a reported... ESA. Uh, if you don't care, fast forward 10 minutes because this is about to be a rant. <laughs> well,
0: semi-rant. I wanted to pass it off to you guys to see what you think because I think my feelings have been known. But the whole Gio Reyna situation was just a joke. For, for that to get outed into the press and for it to become public knowledge is irresponsible. On all levels, I, I I don't think that's acceptable whatsoever. What makes that situation any different than the Belgium situation in my eyes? When you look at it, right? When 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 teams have issues and players clash heads or players and managers, whatever combination it might be, you keep it in house, you solve it in house, and nobody finds out about it. You have to figure it out. There has to be one level head in that in that, in that situation now. You had a 19, 20 year old kid basically get thrown under the bus right after the World Cup and say, Oh, he showed up, you know, he wasn't focused and he wasn't fit. He threw his toys out the pram when he didn't come on against Wales and yada, yada, yada. And oh, well, we've also, we also know that this behavior has been happening at Dortmund. And then right after Dortmund's CEO comes out and was like, Oh, he's only been professional for us. I don't know what the fuck you've been drinking or smoking. But, and Gio Reyna comes out and says, I kind of left it all out there. Whatever happened, happened. I'm looking forward to moving forward. He took like the, the mature, I guess, route or mature approach. But for me, that should have been the last straw for Burhalter as a United States national coach. You don't let a story like that get out. And you don't let that kind of friction enter the dressing room again after it's already been reportedly sorted. It, it was just complete bullshit, Andres. I don't know if you share the same sentiment, but if I'm the if I'm the U.S. Soccer Federation, I'm looking at that, and that's a red flag.
2: Uh, I don't. I think here's my take. They were they had a week to practice, and sure, we don't know what Burhalter told Reina at the practices, but apparently it was something along the lines of like you're not a starter, and then Reina threw a fit. So. To keep it in house, I'm just trying to understand the, the the headspace. He barely he doesn't choose him over Jordan Morris in that first game. Oh,
0: Jordan Morris.
2: Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. We all know how you feel about that. Nobody likes Jordan Morris. But the coach to try to keep hush hush is like, oh yeah, I didn't choose Gio because he's hurt. Instead of being like, oh yeah, Geo's been a huge bitch for the past ten days, so I'm not going to play him. And then Gio comes out immediately and says, oh, I'm healthy. So it's like, I think there's blood in both guys' hands. Obviously, you lean on the side of the 20-year-old super talented kid because he's going to be here and, and get you the success. And and it's a little bit hypocritical at the end of it all for Berhalter to end up spilling the beans when he's the one that always preaches to keep it in-house. In yeah. But to me, I think there's blood on both hands. I think it is easier the way it all played out for Gio to look like he was the more mature one because shit hit the fan, and then he's like, you know, I'm gonna take responsibility now, and he looks like a good kid that learned his lesson. So, like, no. I, I, I'm I, not as, like, fuck Greg, fuck this. I think both of them fucked up, and I think that's the matter. I think it's gonna be forgotten by the time all this happens, because is gonna outlast Greg, so it doesn't matter in the long run. Yeah. So. I mean, McKenny. McKenny broke, McKinney broke a shit ton of COVID rules and he was starting in the next rotation of, of, uh, world cup qualifiers. So yeah. I think it's a, honestly, both guys fucked up. Both guys did something wrong and, and they're going to have to be grownups, shake hands and then move on.
0: He needs to spend less time picking out his shoes and more time focusing on the actual fucking match tactics. But anyways, or Gio needs to be less of a prima donna. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, this is I guess, we'll move on because we can kind of go on all day about the United States and how disappointed I was. But ultimately, I am proud of the boys. I think I think they did get gain a lot of respect from from a lot of the European fans that watched them. I bumped into some England fans. I was on my honeymoon in Australia for the knockout stages. and um, it was the day after the U.S. lost the Netherlands, and I saw this England fan and I started chatting with him. Turns out he's from Leeds. He would not stop raving about how good Tyler Adams was and how happy he was that he had a good tournament because, um, you know, he was getting a lot of flack just simply for being American at Leeds from a lot of the lead support, according to him. Um, and, you know, he was just venting about how happy he was that he got his time to shine and that, you know, he got the respect of, you know, European football as a whole. Like, there's no denying that he had a great tournament, so that's a that's a that's a net positive for the US but mm-hmm. um I do want to take this chance to shit on Sky Sports. I think it's only necessary because they did release their World Cup 2022 team of the tournament and um Harry Maguire's in it. <laughs> I'll just kind of start there. Um, I'll go ahead and read through this starting 11. It's a 4-3-3 and then we can give our take on it. So in goal they had a uh, Livakovic, Croatia's goalkeeper. Um, Right-back was Hakimi. The center-backs were Gavardial and Maguire. Left-back Acuna. Midfield was Amarbad and Unahi from Morocco. Griezmann, um, who had a great tournament. And then a front three of Messi, Giroud, and Mbappe. Boys, boys, boys. Why does Harry Maguire get on this list? Because it's Sky, and
2: Sky's English. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what, I, a, what a joke.
2: There is no other reason for it. Um, I have, I have a few changes that I'd make to this team outside of the obvious taking out of Maguire, but the first one that I would add is Teo Hernandez because I thought mm-hmm. had Lucas, like in a weird way, like shame for Lucas and his injury, and, and he'll be out for a while, but if Lucas Hernandez plays left back the whole tournament, I don't know if France makes it to the final. I think that Teo brought kind of twisted De hand to actually play offensively, and the moment he came on in that first game, I thought France woke up and and actually started playing well. So I'd play him at left back. I play. Wait, sh- I would, shame
1: on Dechamps honestly, for I mean, starting. That
2: dude, that dude was putting Koundé at right back for most of the tournament. I mean, this guy is shame on him, terrorist, yeah, football terrorist. He got carried <laughs> by fucking Griezmann and Bappe and and Giroud. Mm-hmm. Um I'd say Unahi probably can get replaced. I think, you know, take your pick. You know, you got Jude, you got um Modric. what's his name? Modric. Uh, I would I obviously I'm I'm biased. I would say I would have said Kovacic, but yeah, I'd say Jude, Enzo, Kovacic, Modric, any of those guys could, could probably slide in there. Um but the, goalkeeper I'd go back to Bono instead of Livakovic. I yep. think I think Livakovic I was good in, in the penalties against Brazil and that's cool but again Bono for most of the tournament all his o- his own team is the only one that scored on him. And then the one that I think is a lot a surprise to most I think uh, Griezmann was unbelievable playing as a true box to box midfielder. I think that his performance is don't won't get his notice because obviously Mbappe and Giroud were were really the main men for France. But man, it, it he's one of those we talked about PSG ruining your career. Atletico Madrid, man, like Griezmann, go somewhere else. You still have you have you still have some stuff in the tank. Like I would love to see him go elsewhere and be allowed to thrive again because he's. But the situation
1: in in Atletico is is weird because I mean. It was Bar- It was really Barcelona that killed him. And right, then, right. It started. And, the, and, the refus- and now that he's at Atletico, I'm pretty sure that there's something in his in the, in the deal between him and Barcelona that if he plays over a certain amount of minutes, oh, they have to pay more. That changed, so, oh, but
0: it exactly started. Finalized. finalized. Yeah. Atletico so owns him. Down- Full, full okay. stop now, yeah. But yeah. but for the first, but like, three months season. of the
2: season, for mm-hmm. the first three months of this season, though, he was playing 20-minute stints. But then exactly, he started balling out in those 20-minute stints, and Atletico's like, all right, fuck it, pull the trigger. I think they but, couldn't play him over 30 so it's minutes. Not Atletico.
1: So they
0: played him, like, a bunch. They'd sub him on, like, right at the 61st,
2: 62nd. Uh, they, yeah, he would come in after the 65th. But, no, he, the thing is, though, like, at the end of the day, he's never going to play this sort of open game at Atletico. Yeah. Like, it's just never gonna happen under Simeone. That's my point. Not the mm-hmm. not the whole twenty minute thing. It's it's the same thing with Joao Felix. Like you see Joao Felix yeah. come on for Portugal. Joao Felix and he is, start, is yeah, he yeah. Started that's, that's, a player,
1: that's a player that Atletico definitely killed. I won't I won't agree with Griezmann because I think it was Barcelona that killed him. But yeah. I just sure, like sure Joao Felix.
2: I just meant like this tournament reminded me how fun Griezmann can really be and how good really, like right. his. His his skill set still has a lot of output in it, and it's just a mm-hmm. shame that like yes, the Barcelona thing obviously, but that I don't think he's gonna have some sort of comeback story or a return because he's playing in such a negative side like Atletico.
0: Yeah. True. So I mean, you kind of went through the whole team, but but who who replaces McGuire at center back? I mean, there's a, a list. Tiago Silva. Silva,
2: Silva, without a doubt. Tiago Silva, without a doubt. You know, dark horse, dark horse shout, but again, one of those other d- weird De Chomps picks, Konate to me was so fucking good. Oh, he was man. so bad in the
1: first match, and then after that, he was one of the best centerbacks. Geron, yeah. sure.
2: Geron was
0: insane against Morocco too.
2: He had a bunch of... Um, Otamendi for the tournament, I talked about how he just like, I don't know, like it felt like fucking Maldini entered his soul for this tournament. I thought he was so good and He's, I do hate Otamendi.
0: Pepe is a good shout as well. So, you know, another aging center back that definitely didn't look like he was 39. Who? Like I never that, Pepe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um but but for me I think Modric it, it, it's criminal not to put him in that midfield 3. Um just based on the importance that he has on his team. It's it's crazy to me that he doesn't make that he doesn't make this team. He's on the bench, but it doesn't mean much. And then Jude Bellingham's another great shout. Sam would love that, but it's
2: it's just hard because I'm I'm looking at this list and like, dude, you got Teo, Jude, Modric. We don't talk about Casemiro, but he was really good for Brazil too. Many up until the final was carrying his playing in in Madrid. We already mentioned. Yeah, yeah, Charleston carried Brazil at the early stages of the tournament. It felt like he was the big difference maker. Like we didn't, we talked about young players, and we didn't talk about Julian Alvarez for mm-hmm. for a shot for that award. And he was really good in the semis. Was it the semis where he scored the two goals or assisted one and scored the other? One of the two. He like, scored two. One. Yeah, he scored it's just two. crazy. It's it's semis. Just, oh, he, yeah, he drew he a, a
1: pen and he drew a pen also, I think. But it, um, Cody
2: was... ha- Hakpo got like third most goals in the tournament is probably going to get a move to united like the list goes He's on nice. like it was such a good world cup man Honestly, such a good world all those cup. all those
1: three names that you listed i would probably put over Giroud. and not to say Giroud, Giroud had a great world cup too but i think richarlison um yakpo and uh who's the third name uh alvarez alvarez i, th- I think those three probably had a better tournament than Giroud. It would have been nice to
0: keep Giroud, huh? You'd still be in this Chelsea starting eleven. So Giroud?
2: I think Giroud time. just gets the gets the shout because I think he technically tied for third in goals. So he I mean, was. It's tied. not a
1: bad. And it's all time
2: it French. Refer- right, he yes. passes Henri to be the all time French leading scorer. Until Mbappe passes temporarily. Yeah. Temporarily, yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Well, let's kind of pivot directly towards Chelsea. I mean, we did have some big news that went down uh, during the World Cup. Towards the end of the World Cup, it seemed to get really active on the Chelsea front. First and foremost, um, Christopher Vevel officially hired as Chelsea's technical director. It's been on the cards for a while now. We did mention it a few podcasts ago and kind of dove in on who he is and what kind of role he'll be taking here. But it's just good to see that Chelsea's being proactive in terms of filling you know the the front office quote unquote um and and kind of establishing you know who's going to be calling the shots and setting the 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 strategies and scouting players and whatnot so what do you guys think about that signing and um are are, are you in the same boat as me i mean because i'm looking at it as we're being proactive as fuck and I, i like that
1: i don't know how to how to uh evaluate the signing honestly. If he's not a player. He's you know, I like, I can't see what he does. Yeah. It's more so, it's more the logic. I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping for the best. Yeah. It's it's more the logic that ownership is is bringing in football people to make he's the decisions. In reality they want to replicate the Red Bull system, the Man City system. They wanted to bring someone who was within that system. That's why they went after the um the Leipzig guy first and they ended up with the Salzburg guy. Other so way around. Sorry. Yeah. Salzburg I
2: forgot got Leipzig.
1: Right. Sorry. I got that mixed up. So obviously they wanted someone from that system so that when they eventually implement that they'll have someone on top who's familiar with inter-company inter-team loaning and you know stuff like that like he's already familiar with it.
0: He has he has a lot of relationships around Europe as well, which will be beneficial for us in terms of finding the right loans and whatnot. Because I feel like that's been a big problem with us the last few years. We have a lot of talent in our loan army, but we don't seem to get the loans right more often than not. I'm looking at guys like Ampadu. I mean, even RLC to a certain respect. Um, you know, the the list kind of goes on and on, but. Yeah. This kind of gives me hope that if we continue to do this and loan out players, he's going to be able to, you know, contact those people that he has relationships with and maybe get our players in a better position, a better team, maybe get them in a a place where they can actually thrive and get more playing time where, you know, the playing style and identity of that team is similar to Chelsea's and I'm talking,
1: I'm talking specifically like inter team loans, like, the I Other see. teams yeah, that, that, yeah. Chelsea that Chelsea owns, Chelsea owns, yeah, it's or that that sense. Todd Bowley owns, and it's not really going to be loans
2: anymore. It's not going to be loans anymore because that's all changing. Like the the loans year to year, we're going to be able to loan less and, less and less and less and less players. It's more about oh, they graduated from Cobham, they get signed to a French team, they get signed to a Portuguese team who are under our blanket. Like, exactly,
1: so we can ensure like how we can audio
2: that. Like how goes that's from Salzburg. Way. To fucking ended up going to Southampton. Let me use a better example. Uh, Huang He Chan goes from fucking Salzburg to Leipzig. Ga- Gesco, Sesco, whatever this giant ass yeah, striker same is. Thing. Salzburg, Leipzig. Um, yeah. uh, the Hungarian dude, Ball Sly, Salzburg, yeah. Leipzig. Like there's a pathway yeah. to where you can continue. These guys get well, high end does that playing. Too. Yeah, City has that with like random ass places, including New York City FC of all places. But like,
0: yeah, I think that's it's, the workaround around the
2: loan. Yeah, of course. Changes. And they still get the the minutes and, and mm-hmm. the teams are still also, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? They're motivated to play these guys because technically yeah. they own them. Like, let's mm-hmm. say these. Let's say this eighteen-year-old from Brazil doesn't end up panning out. He can stay here forever. We don't, there's no promise that he goes back to Chelsea. Like it's a it's a two-way street at the end of the day. Like the players have to perform, and the clubs want them to perform. Like they're they're willing to put in the investment, and and then it's a weird money laundering workaround as well. But like the way I see it is like the board is taking shape of football minds because Vivelle now joins the Monaco guy Lawrence Stewart. Uh, joe shields, oh, shields and then uh with stansley or whatever the global talent guy is and on top of that you have graham potter so like boley promised us this data-driven analytics like we're gonna look to build while uh, adding like superstar sprinkled around all these like these guys do what we want them to do and that's why we signed them model like obviously it sucks that we're still in the but like we haven't had a, what's it called a transfer window, but I think we're on the right track.
0: Yeah. Right, well, I, I, I agree with you. I didn't actually think about it in that respect where it it, it allows for dual accountability on both the player front and the club front at whatever club they're going to be, you know, whatever clubs under the Chelsea umbrella, they're both going to be accountable for, you know, making sure that it's a success as opposed to, strictly with the loan system the way it is now, strictly leaving it up to the team that loans him. And he's basically, you know, that player is basically a prisoner at that point if he's not getting playing time. At least that's how it seems. So um, I like it. I think, I think, you know, the fact that we're bringing in football minds is a positive. One step closer to, you know, taking that next step as a club. Um, another major signing, arguably the biggest signing of this whole, you know, little window of the World Cup, Christopher Nkunku is officially done. Um, The deal is upwards of 60 million pounds. There isn't a definite figure on it yet, but he is slated to join in July of 2023. I love this signing, personally. I think, you know, seeing the way Graham Potter likes to play, I think he sort of fits the mold. We are going to be playing against a lot of deep blocks. This is a guy that has the ability to play with both feet. He can play out wide or up the middle. Um, He's technical enough to break teams down on his own. He has that little moment of magic in him. Um, And, you know, if if the figure does stay around 60 million, I think ultimately it's good business for us. I mean, what do you guys think? Sam, I'll start with you.
1: Yeah, I was just so bummed that he got hurt before the World Cup because I was really excited to see how he would play on this France team Um, because I'm still, like, I still have PTSD. I I I think the Bundesliga attacks is real, and I don't want to say necessarily like definitively that Nkuku is doesn't have what it takes to play in the Premier League because that's not true. I just I'm gonna reserve any expectations I have because I'm deathly afraid that he's just gonna come to the Premier League and you know like it, I have PTSD. I'm sorry. Well, you, can can you blame no. me?
2: No, no, not at all.
0: I'd be I'm, a liar I'm, if I
1: said it never crossed my mind.
2: I'm a little bit just more optimistic because, like, unlike Werner and Kai signings, the profile fits. And it fits under Potter, who now has, like, a multi-year deal, which is unheard of for Chelsea in recent history. So, like, when I think of Inkunku like, as a potential striker or the guy floating behind the striker, it's thinking crossard but better. If Trossard can do it in the Premier League, it's like, okay, Nkunku should be able to do it too. And so that's where I'm like, okay, it's it's not a speed merchant and it's not a guy that looks really like skillful that doesn't really have a position, but he's super talented. So to me, it's like, okay, he fits the profile more so than, oh, hey, we already have a number 10 in Mason Mount. Let's sign Kai Havertz because we don't want to have FOMO. So... That's the one thing that kind of keeps me a little bit level-headed about the signing and and not fall to the Bundesliga tax. Here,
1: we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited though. I'm happy. I'm happy about the, about the deal. I would have
0: liked. I would have liked it if we could get him in January. Um, right, he can't Just... play. Anyway.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, but, but with the injury Still and the everything,
2: price tag with January.
0: Yeah, it's unfortunate. But look, I mean, again, we're being proactive. I think we're getting big business done early, which is only going to give us more time, more resources to focus on the other areas that we need reinforcement, like CDM, like right back, um, and so on. Center back, according to you. Center back, according to Gavardial's performances at the World Cup.
1: Um, And striker. Striker. Well, we we did
0: sign a striker. Um, Uh David Datro-Fafana. Uh, played in a fan Lufana. of his since
2: day one, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've been
0: following him closely on this pod. Um, we haven't mentioned anything because we wanted to save it as a surprise for you. So, when we do just sign him, pitch. we'll be yeah. able to flex it. We've watched every single game that he's played in this season, we know just everything about him. Fan. Huge gank
1: yeah. fan, yeah. We, we, we love gank, just can't get enough of us, huh?
0: Nope, apparently not. Um, but guys from Ivory Coast, 20 years old. Um oh. twenty one goals in all competitions this season.
1: Finish. Finish. Don't need to say anymore. He's the next joke, but
0: Yeah. <laughs> See? All you need to hear is Ivory Coast and Striker But guys, I mean look, I did like every other Chelsea fan, watch every single Welcome to Chelsea highlight tape on YouTube the day we signed him. <laughs> and um I, listen, I'm being realistic. He's not gonna change the team right now. Um it does look like it's a signing for the future. That's obvious, but Based on what I see, it, it, it he does look like he has the skill set, the power, the pace. You know, he has pretty pan, pretty fancy feet. He um, has a trick on his sleeve. I mean, he looks like a decent player, to be completely honest. So, what do you guys think about the signing? With the caveat of knowing that it's not necessarily one that's gonna
2: set the world alight this season. I am I am so excited for two thousand and thirty. Love it. What are they calling it on Twitter now? The that, that's 20- what they call it, the, the 20th Chelsea 2030. It's just, um, you talk about like being stressed about Chelsea coming back. Like the running joke is now like, I'm so ready for Chelsea in five years. Yeah. Chomeka, Cassidy, Hutchinson, Slonina, add this guy to the list. Add the next name we're about to drop to the list too. It's just stockpiling the talent. We're trying to beat people to the signing to make it cheap. Who knows, man? Apparently, Brighton wanted this guy, so of course we now want him. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I was going to mention him. that
0: we did beat we did beat a host of European clubs to his signing. Like I know it wasn't just Brighton I was interested in, but apparently there are a few Premier League teams that were eyeballing him. Um, in that it, taking that into account, I think it's a good signing. It's low risk, high reward. My my
1: official take on the signing. Uh. I just shrugged my shoulders for people who are just listening. It's a shrug. Yeah, it's, it's a meh. A I don't know. I don't know. How am I supposed to know? Definitely <laughs> we'll
0: not see. one that's definitely not one that we're going to be like counting down the days to see him make his debut. But
2: it, it'll, it'll literally good. take so many dominoes for this guy to put on a first team jersey this season. Yeah, yeah Broja is the first coming, one of like seven. January.
1: He's coming yeah. January, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it,
2: an immediate okay. signing. It's just yeah, it, the Brogia domino fell. So now it's Mama Yang Kai and potentially okay. Sterling and, and whatever other striker we sign before this guy would even get a sniff at the first team. Yeah. Um, another signing that we made, uh, this one being the
0: most recent Andre Santos midfielder from Vasco da Gama in Brazil fees reported around 17 and a half million. um, don't really know much about the guy other than, again, another player that major European clubs are scouting as well. I know Barcelona was interested in him also, but who the fuck are they not interested in? Yeah. Um, but again, this is a signing that we could potentially look to the future for. But on the other hand, I look at a guy like uh, Chukwameca, who we signed for, what was it, $25 million? So it was a little bit more than
2: less. This. Was it less? Uh, it was 18 20 million for true So
0: so a similar fee, give or take, um, to this guy. So who's to say that, you know, if, if, if he comes in, maybe looks good in the preseason next year, he might get a first-team jersey. But another signing that's not going to move the needle this season. And that's, it's, it's, it's nice that we're stockpiling this talent, like Andres said, but it does kind of worry me that we're not looking to improve the squad now. Sam?
1: I, The thing that I like about the signing is Chelsea is not known for scouting in South America. And mm-hmm. uh, we were in on the Endrick race. I mean, I never thought we had a shot, but apparently really? we were like, you know, one of the three finalists to sign him. Uh, and now we got this guy. I mean, I, I don't know much about him, but it's a good sign seeing us going after more South American players. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, I don't know whether they're going to pay out now, but this is just something that Chelsea didn't do at all. And there's a lot of talent coming out of South America, so it would be it's stupid. They're really like, I, I, is there a Premier League team that really scouts South America hard? I mean, Watford I guess, signed
0: for Charlison.
1: I would know that. <laughs> yeah, but still, like, like I'm I mean, talking May- about, like, where did like, Jesse like, James like come level, from? Like true. on the level of of like a Real Madrid or Barcelona, you know yeah, what I mean. It,
2: it doesn't happen because it's harder to get the UK visa now with Brexit. Like that's the the legality behind it. But like that's a, like yeah. just
1: in the past. I don't know how many years, but yeah. But even true. but
2: even before that, something about like South American visas is harder to get. So like you wait till they get into like your e- Italy, Netherlands, Spain, and then those teams. That's when you see the South American guys make it up. But mm-hmm. I'd I'd say City. The, the most to do that they had obviously Alvarez straight out of River Plate had uh, Gabby, Gabby Jesus. Jesus straight out of Flamengo but this one has me actually way more excited shout out to uh, CFC Central because he's been mentioning this name since August so like I've low-key kept seeing what he posts about it and this guy over and over and over again so he had like a full-blown report on this guy in August. And he's talking like this dude is Kovacic and Essien put together with like the added size. Like this one has me super excited. And, and one Ooh. thing that uh, stands out and Sam mentioned it, it's that recently the talented South Americans pay out. like Casemiro, Valverde, Vinicius. Rodrigo, Neymar, Gabby Jesus, Martinelli. Did like you say Valverde? I did. I started with Valverde. Okay, sorry. Julian yeah. Alvarez. Like these are all guys who went straight to big. Enzo team. Ferrari. Enzo. So, uh-huh. He's had a bit a little bit more of a troubling time to get to the top, but you know, he's he he's balling at Benfica. He was supposed to go to Wolves. I think he probably loved the fact he didn't end up at Wolves this summer. But um yeah, the, the Andre Santos one I'm excited for. Again, I don't think he'll play much this season because Chuck has been here, hasn't gotten the minutes yet. Cassidy has been here, hasn't gotten the minutes yet. But but yeah, this one's definitely one that has me like again excited for 2025 and later.
0: Yeah, so I mean we mentioned it a little earlier, obviously Broja picking up that that unfortunate injury, which That sucks, man. I don't know if you guys saw the actual video of it, but because there was nobody in the stands you can hear him screaming in pain and just so sad up a little i'm not even gonna lie really gutted for the kid because he looked like he was about to about to break out honestly but um big minutes too big minutes yeah yeah and 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 potter seems to really like him off the bench he loves his energy he loves the different style of play that he offers late in games with the physicality and his pace behind so i mean we're, we're looking forward to getting him back next year um Obviously, Fofana picked up another injury as well. At first, fans were panicking, but thankfully he posted on his Instagram it's not that serious. It would keep him out about a month, a little under a month. Chilwell's expected to be back within the month as well. You know, Conte's still missing, but that's really no surprise. But I guess the real bright side here is that Reese James is training with the first team, full contact. Doesn't seem like he has any sort of limitations, at least none have been reported yet. And then also Chuck Wameca, um said in an interview that he was feeling really good and really healthy again. So those are two guys that we could look to see back in the Chelsea squad, guys that could possibly, um, well, Reese will definitely impact the way we play and the way we perform moving forward. But Chukwameka specifically is another guy that Potter seemed to really trust in the beginning of his stint before he picked up the injury. So I'm looking forward to seeing them back as well. Um, but do you guys have anything else to add to, you know, just the, just the, World Cup roundup, I guess, for lack of a better word.
2: Messi is the undisputed GOAT.
1: Yeah, I want to give my quick take on Messi, like, my, my opinion on him throughout his career. Messi, to me, I felt like he never played his hardest when he played for Argentina. Like, he was obviously one of the best players in the world when he played for Barcelona but he just it it looked like effort to me to be honest and i've always thought that and then this year he played his best world cup that he's ever played and i, I think this world cup changed my opinion a lot on him and i don't and it's it's kind of stupid to base my all-time ranking of him off of one tournament but the body of work. That was I it. Mean, that was yeah. that was the one thing he was missing and it wasn't just him winning the World Cup, but it was you know this guy he he'd retired from the from the national team like two different times. Like mm-hmm. his his time for the Argentina national team was pretty chaotic. And this changed everything. So yeah. Uh, it 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 changed my opinion of him.
0: Yeah, I'm very happy he won too. I was I was rooting for Argentina in that final just because I wanted I wanted all the haters to kind of put the the conversation to rest in terms of who's the greatest in this generation. No, Ronaldo fans will go crazy, but guys, I mean it's messy. If if you had to pick one of the two and build a team around him, it's 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 an obvious no brainer in my book. And yeah, you know I, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Argentina. I'm happy for my Argentinian friends. I have a couple of them that have been, you know, supporting Messi, supporting Argentina since day one. So for them to get that fulfillment and also to see the impact it has on the country, man. Videos of people off of their, you know, recording off of their balcony and you can hear screaming across the city. It, it, people, you know, running on the freeways, crowding well, jumping Aires. off the it's freeway. jumping,
2: Freeway to get on the bus insane crazy. i mean
0: they had the, i heard they had the airlift messy out of there via
2: helicopter because it was just... of, yeah no they did cuz they got stuck at the obelisk plaza but if you're going to watch three videos i i invite you to look up literally google it uh, argentinian guy on his bicycle when montiel scores mm-hmm. it's unreal yeah what that video is picks awesome up on his phone then look up um homeless man celebrates after being given argentina jersey that's freaking heartbreaking. And then look up Andres contours, like commentating selfie video of him talk, like his reaction to Montiel scoring. Like those three have been by far like the best videos I've seen so far. It's, that last video is the reason why football is the greatest sport in the world. It's just nuts, man. Like um, you talk about like what Messi's done for Argentina. Like to be born. And at age 17, already be told that you have to be Maradona's heir. Well, but Maradona
1: that, says that himself.
2: Yeah. You're 17 years old at the time. It just. he says, he says he's my heir. Because he won the, the gold medal. And then you go through, and he does everything he does at Barcelona. Then he has to go through like the most chaotic. Period of Argentina soccer because it was just like a mishmash of shit players left and right, too many strikers, then players that just have like off the field issues and can't perform for the national team. You have a freaking rotating door of coaching, and you're right. Then the pressure gets to him, can't win the Copa America. The man completely changed his penalty taking technique before this tournament because that's what kept him from so many international co- tournaments. He had two Copa America finals go to penalties and he missed key penalties there. And to go through this whole world cup and not miss, uh, he missed one, excuse me. He missed one against uh Chechny like reinvented his free kick tech or sorry, PK technique just to make sure it wouldn't happen in the biggest stage. Like, yeah, my, my wife has never watched like a world cup. He only watches Chelsea with me and has been for the past few years. So, this is her first. I'm really getting a a view of Messi, and her words were: "This dude makes it look so easy. Like it feels like an art when I watch this guy play. Yeah, it's just so effortless to him. It's and it just crazy. It,
0: it goes to show how blessed we were, at least in our generation of footballers, to both to witness Messi, but also." Have that debate of, you know, Cristiano and having a guy at the top of his game who isn't not, isn't necessarily as good as Messi. In, in my opinion, they're two completely different players. I think I put Cristiano, yeah. prime Cristiano, in that category of he's the greatest finisher I've ever seen. In front of goal, just in, ter- in terms of being a cold-blooded killer, I've never seen anybody better than Cristiano. Maybe, but you be- look at maybe, Messi,
1: the, maybe he's the best goal scorer of all time also. Yeah, that's I think that's player. fair but when people
0: throw him in in terms of the best player of all time it's, it's
1: a different conversation for me
0: it's a different conversation messi's on a whole other yeah, planet
1: i don't think i don't think it's that far a whole different planet is is over exaggerating it it's it messi is is better but it's not that clear and cut in my opinion i mean i think That's it fair. is now
2: i think it is now it because is. messi's yes, the answer
1: is yes but it's yeah. not it's not a planet away i think they it goes are- I, I think, think it's messy.
2: I think it goes messy. Gap, and then you have Maradona, Pele, Ronaldo, all those guys chasing the pack because at this point, Messi's oh, the no. only player to have won World okay. Cup, the Champions League, the Ballon d'Or, the like the league cups, the Copa America. Like he's won literally every trophy. There's no win one the missing...
1: Super Ballon d'Or, whatever that's called. They give out yeah. every 30 years. There, there legitimately
2: mm-hmm. is no trophy he hasn't won at this point. And Pele yeah. never went to Europe. So then there's that. Ronaldo never won a World Cup. Maradona, Maradona never won a Champions League. So like, if we're going to get into that. And then if you go into the numbers, the only number Messi doesn't have is career goals over Ronaldo.
0: Yeah,
2: Every other offensive stat, he has more. That's mm. in La Liga. He has all the records in Barcelona. Like, he has all the records bar one in Champions League. Like, this point it's it's Messi and the rest.
1: Messi never played in the Premier League, though. He never no. played in the best. He played in La Liga, in but world. he played
2: it. Okay, but he played in La Liga when La Liga was better than the Premier League. No,
1: yeah. no, 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 no. Yes. Some. Playing against Getafe Some. When Messi was at Barca, okay, but then Cristiano he played Manchester Real.
2: United, but then he played Manchester United in the final and took his balls out, put him on the table, and slapped for sure. Alex like five times with his fucking giant nuts. Dude scored a remember header that game. over he Vidal and Rio Ferdinand. Together. Yeah. Messi jumped over Rio Ferdinand to score on Vandersar with a header. Yeah.
0: My friend, my Barcelona friend is a diehard Messi fan. Stripped down, butt naked for that final after Messi scored the second goal. <laughs> this,
2: um, is, this is nuts. I wish I wish Messi would have come here, but at the same time, like Barcelona made him be priced out of everything. Listen, it's, the, it, it's not his fault. He started from the Masia and then never looked back there's a reason. ronaldo started in portugal got moved to united united was on the downhill and he's like deuces i'm going to madrid because they're rich as fuck can afford me meanwhile messi played one year ronaldinho's like dude this guy's it and then from there on his price tag was never attainable listen I'm,
1: all one. i'm saying is it's not as far as you guys are making it seem it's close i think
0: that's fair some I I, I I don't I, know I, I, and I'm gonna kind of track back. I, I I lean more on your side with that. I think Cristiano gets a terrible rap, especially now because of you know the whole prima donna image that's
2: been painted of him. But take away the return to United, though. But like Messi goes to Juve and he wins everything. Fucking Ronaldo yeah, did too. Exactly. Messi goes to that Madrid team and he wins three Champions Leagues in a row too. Probably. Like I think the argument of like Ronaldo, Messi, the differentiator is what did they do internationally? Because if you're talking about who they're Side cast members were at club level. They're on par throughout their career. Yeah,
1: Portugal probably was it, has been better. better
2: than
0: Argentina on paper. If you take Messi I, and Ronaldo out of those teams, Portugal's
2: better. If you put Messi or Ronaldo to play with McAllister, fucking Julian Alvarez, and that that shit does not work. Yeah. Well, so again, like, ah, sorry, I'm
1: done. That's fair. That's the debate. Uh-huh. That's the debate right there and it'll last and it'll last our whole lives
0: pretty much i mean i'm going to be telling my kids about that world cup i know
1: that's all i can think about honestly is like i can't wait to like show my future children like messi and ronaldo highlights and tell them like i lived through their whole career i saw everything like and these two were the best in the world for their whole career and it was an amazing battle to watch between them
0: yeah, I they were hide. head and shoulders above everyone else, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, that kind of brings it to the end of this episode. Um, we will be recording after the Bournemouth match, um, which is the 27th, if I'm not it's mistaken. Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, next Tuesday. So Chelsea football is coming back. Whether you love it or hate it, Sam, I'm sorry, but we do have to watch Chelsea again. No. It's time. I'm um, so excited. Yeah, just make sure you're following us on Twitter at Blues on Parade. We do post an episode after every match. Um, as you could probably guess, the episodes are going to start ramping up as Chelsea returns. So make sure you're looking out for them. And if you want to ask questions and be included on the pod, uh, make sure you look out for our tweets. We post after every match as well. So, um, you know, tweet at us, ask us questions, and who knows, you might get a shout out on the podcast.
2: Um, so until next week, let's keep the blue flag flying high.